Okay, we're learning Daflamid. We're starting from a few lines down here. Marvasi, Marav. So we came out yesterday. We learned the Mishnah that Rabbi Akiva had discovered that there's a source for a Shlishi Torah. Again, that means that the end of the line of the Tumah is that a food that touches a food which touched a food which touched an Ava Tumah could also be Tame. That's a very fancy way of saying a Shlishi. So the point is that you have the Aviavos, they take a dead body, something makes contact with it as an Av, something makes contact with it as a Rishon, something makes contact with it as a Shani. And then the question is if that Shani food makes contact with another food, does that other food become Tamas? Where we keep at a source, he spoke at the, it says that anything that's in a klicheres that had a tumma in it, right? The dead rodent inside of the klicheres, so it made the, the, the klicheres into a rishon, and it said that the thing inside of the oven, it says in the Pasuk Yitzma, it's tamay, but the language could be, the vowels could be rearranged to yitame, it could contaminate something else. So Rabbi Akiva had discovered source that there's a shlishi. And Rabbi Akiva's source was that there's a shlishi even bachulin. So for example, a person, even bachulin in general, we shouldn't eat tamay food. So that means that even if a song which had attained the level of a shlishi shouldn't be eaten. Whereas the other tanom we're going to learn today don't agree. Other tanom hold that there's no such thing as a shlishi outside of, outside of truma. It's only once, once we get to the kadosh type of food. Even my Shani doesn't have shlishi according to many tanom we're going to see today. Only when we get to a kadosh type of food, a kadosh type of food that touches a shani becomes tamay. But otherwise, we don't have that. Remember, we learned yesterday that Ravi has even a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that kodesh has even a Ravi. Shruma has a shlishi, and the question is where we put chulin. We came up, Rabbi Kiva has got a source, and today we're going to see how many dissenting views there are on that. Amar Avasi, Amar Rav, Amri La, Amar Rav, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Shuv, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Eliezer. The following list of Tanah, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Shuv, Rabbi Lazar, and Rabbi Eliezer. Of all of them, Kulusuli, Eni, Oshini, Osa, Shlishi, Bachulin. They all hold that when you're dealing with chulin, a non-holy type of food, a shini does not create a shlishi. End of the line is a shini, not a shlishi. So a food which touches shini is not considered tame if you're not dealing with holiness. Rameir, where do we see this? Rameir does not, it says in a Mishnah, Mishnah Empire, call it on B.S. Mime, different so from anything that requires tefillah and a mikvah because of a darabon and tumah. So there are many examples of a darabon and tumah. Uh, there's, like, for example, in Shabbos, there's Yurcha stuff where there were 18 decrees that were made of, you know, darabon and tumah. Uh, just, to, just to give, like, one, one example is that uh, somebody touches. Kisve uh, Hakodesh, someone who touches the parchments of a Sefer Torah becomes uh, becomes Tami. Uh There's there's an idea like that. Somebody who, who drinks a Tami liquid could become Tami. These are all certain Durabanas. You can learn the Sugi to figure out why it's only Durabanan and what form and why the Rabbanan said it. But the Maestro, there's such a halacha. So anything that makes a person Tami. So what what level of Tumah did the Rabbanan give? He makes Kodesh Tami if he, con- he makes contact. He only makes Truma apostle. So what's the difference between mitami and posel? Mitami means that I affect the thing I touch to such a great degree that not only is it tami, but it could pass on tumma to something else. Whereas posel means that it itself is the disqualification of tumma, but it cannot pass on further. So basically, it, it, we're saying that the Rabbanon gave it a level of a sheni to tumma. It's a sheni to tumma. So if it touches truma, it's not going to be mitami the truma. It will be posel the truma because it's going to create that the tumma is a shlishi on the truma, it's the person is a sheni, and therefore when he touches the truma, it's, it makes it a shlishi. A shlishi is the end of the line for truma. But, so that's only possible. But by kodesh, is mitame the kodesh, because by kodesh, there's revi. So it's going to make contact with that thing, make it a shlishi, and then a shlishi will pass on to revi when you're dealing with kodesh. Mutter b'chulun of a miser is permitted in regard to chulun and to miser sheni, meaning a person who is talking with the rabbanon, since the rabbanon gave him the level of only a sheni latoma. So it's motor for him to eat chulin and maizr sheni. Why? Because anything that he makes contact with is not going to become tamay. 
What's the var? Divir Rameir according to Rameir. The var in, in, in Rameir is, is that there is no the, there is no such thing as a shlishi by Maizer Shini and by Hulin. So therefore, the person mid Rabbanon is Tameh like a Shini. The things that he makes contact with are not going to become contaminated. As long as it's Maizer Shini and Hulin, there's no issue eating them. The Rabbanon disagree in regard to Maizer Shini. In regard to Maizer Shini, they hold someone who is Tameh mid Rabbanon, he's not supposed to eat Maizer Shini. He's only allowed to eat Hulin. But clearly, we see, however, that the, the point that even the Rabbanon can see to is that Maestro Shini, which was touched by a t- person who was, who was Tamim Rabbanon, doesn't necessarily become Tamim. They agree to that premise. In other words, there's a machlogas whether someone who is Tamim Rabbanon, someone who is a Shini, is mutter to eat the Maestro. But everybody agrees that if he touches it, the Maestro doesn't become a Shlishi. And, for, and certainly by Hulin here, everybody is agreeing there's no issue with a Shini eating a Hulin. And uh, this clearly proves that the end of the line by Hulin is a Shani. So that disagrees with what the Gemara is saying. That's list number one. That's Tana number one that we prove disagrees with Rabbi Akiva of our Mishnah. Rabbi Akiva of our Mishnah holds that we have a source for, the, for Shlishi even by Hulin. The, that Tana disagreed. Rabbi Yossi, we see a Shani doesn't make a Shlishi Hadamar. That's what we said. What do you mean? That's what we said. So we have to remember what did we say yesterday? Rabbi Yossi had a Kabbalah Homer had to know that a Shlishi can make a Raviv Bakodesh. Remember, remember his whole thing? He was saying that a mechusar kipurim is someone who is mutter to truma and asr to kodesh. So if that's true, we see kodesh is more severe. So then if I have a shlishi, which is possible by truma, all the more so I should know that it contaminates and makes a revi by kodesh. That was Rabbi Yossi's kavachomer yesterday. Rabbi Yossi was saying that's the source for revi by kodesh. And he say, if it's true, that you follow such a thought process, and it's true that there's a shlishi even bachulin. So and we should make a kavachomer that there's a revi by truman that there's a chamishi by kodesh. We could use such a kavachomer. If chulin could become a shlishi, then the, then then we go back. Remember our kavachomer from tvul yom. Tvul yom is mutter to to to, to chulin and asr to truma. So yesterday we said so then uh, so then a sheni which is so, so then a sheni should certainly make a shlishi by truma. But let's push it a step further. I, if I already know there's a shlishi by chulin, then I should say certainly a shlishi should make a revi by truma. Again, what would the kavachomer be? But he's aser to truma. So then certainly, if it's true, a shlishi, which is aser, which is, which is tamay and, and forbidden to, by chulin, should make a revi by truma. And then when I push the next step and I have my, my mechusar kippurim kavachomer, I should say, ma mechusar kippurim was mutter to truma and asr to kachim. So then revi, which is asr by truma, should certainly make a chamishi by kachim. So we didn't say that yesterday. That was clear. Everybody agreed there. Rabbi Yossi agreed. The end of the line was Revi Kodesh, and the end of the line by Truma was Shlishi. Why? Why didn't I use the Kavachomer? The Teretz is the furthest thing they held in Chulin was only a Shani. So therefore, when I said from the Kavachomer from Tvoliyom, I only got to a Shlishi by Truma. And when I and when I used the Kavachomer from Mechosek Yipur, I only got to Revi Kodesh. Had they held like Rabbi Akiva that they're that they're Shlishi, even by Chulin, so then they would have pushed Revi Truma and Chamishi. By Kodesh. The fact that they didn't do that, the fact that Rabbi didn't advance that Kabbalah Homer shows he doesn't agree to the premise that they're Shlishi by Chulin. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua holds a Shani doesn't make a Shlishi by Chulin. It says in the Mishnah, Rabbi Lazar Omer, there's a Dindra Abanan that if a person eats tummy foods, they become food. That's only a Dindra Abanan. There's a right that there's no such halacha. But the question is how the Rabbanan said it. Somebody who eats a food which had the state of a Rishon becomes a Rishon himself. Shani, Shani, if he eats a food which has a Shani, he becomes a Shani. Shlishi, if he eats food that's a Shlishi, Shlishi, he becomes a Shlishi himself. Again, this is one of the Yudchas Dover, one of the 18 decrees. The Rabbanan were concerned. That um, there's a whole there's a whole issue when you're eating food 
that it, it, food, very interesting, if it touches liquid, it puts it back to a risha. So maybe a person would have trim a liquid in their mouth at the same time. Trim a liquid in their mouth at the same time they're eating the tummy food. In which case, the tummy food might be matame, they trim a liquid in their mouth at the same time. Therefore, Madrabana, they made it in that if you, drink, if you eat uh, tummy foods, you become tummy. And that therefore is going to stop you from ever having trim a wine in your mouth at the same time as you would have tummy food. That's where the whole thing. So Rabbi Lezer is saying that whatever degree of tumma which was on the food, that's what Madrabana, they imposed on the person who ate it. Rabbi Shua and Rishua says, Ocho Rishon Rishon, Ocho Shani Shani. One who eats, I agree with you, if you eat a Rishon, well, I'm sorry, he's saying, I, I, I hold if you eat, whether, whether you eat a food that's a Rishon or you eat food that's a Shani, you always become a Shani. You know, he holds that the din is Madrabana, if you eat tummy food, you become a Shani, whether the food you ate was a Rishon or a Shani. Shlishi, if you ate food that was a Shlishi, so then what happens? Shani Bakodesh. He becomes a Shani for Kachim. He doesn't become Shani in regard to Truma. Notice we consider him to be Tame as a Shani by Kodesh. If he touches Kodesh, he makes it a Shlishi. But we don't consider him to be a Shani with regard to Truma. If he touches Truma, he wouldn't contaminate it. So in other words, once you only ate a Shlishi, we don't consider you Tame for Truma. We only consider you Tame for Kodesh. Okay. Now, how could it be that a person eats a Shlishi? What's the scenario where a person ate a Tame Shlishi food? Just to understand a little bit. You don't want to say the case is truma because it's forbidden to eat truma. That's tummy. Right? We want to be talking about a case where the guy's not eating truma. So what's the case? The only case could be that the person was at chulin. Something that's not holy. But he was so vigilant in, 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 in preparation always for eating truma that he kept the standards of truma for chulin. So this is an interesting concept. Like we've been talking, you know, we're proving from here. We're going to prove in one second that the end of the line for chulin is only shani. But there's a concept of like accepting upon oneself that all the standards that apply to truma should apply to my chulin. Why would a person do that? Because it keeps you vigilant. It keeps you always on the highest gold standard so then you don't get confused between well, what do I do for my chulin and what do I do for my truma. So the case where a person is eating a shlishi is where he's eating chulin, which was which he was keeping in preparation on the level of tahar of truma. So what do I see? Altar is a truma in... Altaris HaKodesh Lo. There is such a concept for Chulin Shenatsu, Altaris Truma. That there is such a concept. And now it's Chal Medrabonon. If you want to keep those standards, then it could become a Shlishi. But now for Chulin, that's prepared on the Tower of Kodesh. Meaning, let's say somebody is super religious and says, I want to keep the standards of Kodesh for my Chulin. You know what we say? It's anomalous. It's not, it's not regular. And it's not a, a, a practice which is binding now in Hilchos Tama and Tahara. If you want to keep the standards of, 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 of Toma for, for, for Truma on your Chulin, so then it's binding. So it could become a Shlishi. But if you want to keep the standards of, of Kodesh, if someone has such a declaration, it's not binding. It's just anomalous. It's not the regular. It's not the regular. And therefore, it's not binding that it would even become a Shlishi. So what do I see? What's the main thing here? One thing I see is that Chulun doesn't carry, Chulun doesn't have the Shlishi level. We're trying to figure out how it is that you ate a food that was a Shlishi. We, we said it was Chulun that was prepared It was prepared with the levels of, 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 of preparation of Truma, a special thing that we recognize that practice. For example, if you didn't do that, you try to have Altaris, Altaris, uh, Kodesh, it doesn't work. So the clear premise of, the, of this Tana is that the end of the line for, for regular Chulun is only Shani. The only way to even have ever Shlishi by, by Chulun is when it's Nasu Al-Tahara Satrima. The next Tana, Rabbi Eliezer Titani. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Shalashtan Shavim. All the three things are considered the same in the following way. Harishon Shabbat Kodesh. If I have a Rishon, if it's Kodesh, Shabbat Chulun, whether it's Chulun or Shabbat Shurma, whether it's Shurma. If I have a Rishon, what is the power? Metame Shnaim Bopozo Echad Kodesh. It can make two things successively. Tame and one further thing unfit for Kodesh. So what does that mean? What are we trying to say? We're saying, I have a Rishon. So it can be matami two things. What does that mean? It means it can be make something a Shani, which can make something a Shlishi. And then by Kodesh, we'll make, we'll up to make one more thing 
a Ravi. When you're talking about Truma, what could it do? It could be Matame one thing and make another thing unfit. Because you have the Rishon, it could be Matame to make something a Shini, which could make something a Shlishi, and the Shlishi will only be Posel. And what about by Chulin? The Rishon could only be Posel one more level by Chulin. The Rishon can make something a Shini, but that's the end of the line. So clearly that Tana holds, there's no such thing as Shlishi. That's why he says by Chulin, all the Rishon can do is disqualify the next level, can't go further. Finally, we get the last opinion here. So a little introduction to this. When you're mafer shkala with the dough, you're taking off a, a, a level for the coin. So there's a big question about how much, uh, how much of a proportion you take off to give to the coin. So it could either be on 124th or 148th. So if it normally, the halacha we say is that if, it, if, the, if the dough becomes tame anyway, it should only be 148th because what are you going to do with it? It's going to be burned. If it's going to be burned, why are you giving such a large amount? You only give it a large amount in generosity coin. It's going to be burned anyway, then you only give 148th. So we're dealing with a scenario, though, that someone was metamid intentionally. Why would he want to do that? Because then he could save and how much he has to give to the coin. Normally we say, well, you only give 148 when it becomes tamid, because anyway, it's going to be burned. So God did it intentionally. So here we're trying to penalize the person who did that and may say, you can't, you can't gain. So one opinion just says, okay, if you did that, then you have to give it 24th. You know, like that's the way it works. But Rabbi Lezer says a lot more of a Hummer view. If you were metamid intentionally, you have to go make another batch of dough in a tar way and separate challah from it to, to potter the tame one. So that's like a huge penalty for someone who is metame his dough intentionally trying to get out of how much dough he's going to give for challah. But the issue, just to understand, this is all background to understand the case, is that when you're mafresh from one glop of dough on another, you're not supposed to do that unless they're touching. They have to be connected. They have to be mukaf. They have to be like one. If they're not like one at all, then you're not supposed to do that. So here, the issue is, I was metame one, Intentionally, because I was trying to be cheap. Now the rabbi penalized me, and I'm making another tar da- uh, batch. I'm going to take off from the tar batch an extra amount to potter the tummy batch. So how in the world am I supposed to do that? By connecting them, I'd be metame the tar batch. So what am I supposed to do? So Rabbi Lezer, oh, Merchalan, he tells me tar When you have a scenario, challah being taken from the tar dough, an extra portion to potter the tummy dough. Kate said, how are you going to do that? How am I going to put them together without being metame them? So she says, tar So you have that. You take a piece that is the amount of challah that is needed for the tummy dough from the tar dough before the challah was taken off. Um, so you take a big portion there and you put it near the tummy dough. You don't make them touch yet. You don't need to clear a challah. But what do you do? You put another piece of tar dough that's smaller than the amount of an egg's volume. You put it between the doughs and make a little bridge to connect them. Now, what's the brilliance of it being less than a kabetza? The halakha is even if less than a kabetza could theoretically become tummy, it cannot pass on tummah. In order to be an ochel, the size of an ochel to pass on tummah, you have to be the size of a beitza. So by putting this in between the two doughs, you won't you you accomplish both. It's enabling now that the challah that, that's going to be taken off, that is pottering the bread, the other one will be near it. Nukif means it's near, and but lamaisa it's not going to create any tumah issues because the bridge between the tamei dough and the tar dough was less than the size of a beitzah. So when you then you mafish the tar piece, you declare it, so you separate it and declare a challah. So you've taken the tar challah from the challah, and it's also been min hamokif. That's what the first tana is saying. The Chachamim say, don't do that. We'll see what the Rabbanon hold in a little bit. Metanya, yet it said in another price, so according to Rabbi Leah, said that you're supposed to do this. You could even use 
the dough as a bridge if it is the size of a beta, if it is the size of an egg. So first, one the first time I was saying do it, said yes, you mock, but it's not the size of an egg. Now we find that a price that it could be the size of an egg. So what's the issue at hand? So we assume when we say that the dough became tummy, you intentionally were tummy of the dough. What level of tumma did it have? So we assume you touched a dead road into it. It became a risha. That's obligated in challah, but before challah was taken off, it's not treated like 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 challah yet. It's still chulin, meaning it, whatever level of of of, of tumag that can that can go to truma or to challah. Challah is the level of truma. It's only once it's been separated. Before it's been separated, even though the potential to become challah is in the dough, but at this point it's yet to be separated. If it's yet to be separated, so the level of tumah that it could attain is only the same level of tumah that chulin could attain. So if the tame dough is a rishon, so what's my issue? If I would use a beta size on the bridge, so then the piece that's being used as a bridge would become a shani. And then the question is, would it make it a shlishi on the dough that is dar? So what's the price of saying? It's mutter even to use the size of an eggs volume. You know what he holds? He holds that there's no such thing as a shlishi on chulein. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, what's your whole issue? The dough that you were intentionally metame was a risha. You're creating another piece that's going to be a bridge between that and the tar dough that's going to become the challah, but it's not yet challah, so it's only chulin at this point. So what's your issue? Even use a bay. You know why use a bay? Because the rishon will make the bridge a shani, and the bridge cannot pass on tumah and chulin to make the third thing a shlishi. So therefore, there's no issue. Even use a beitza. That's why he was saying it. So we see according to Rav Lazar, shani does not make a shlishi by chulin. That's why he didn't care for the bridge to even be a size of a beitza. So very good. We clearly see that he has no issue. So now wait a second. But then the other people, uh, the other people were saying that, right? Rebbe Lesbos first quoted as saying the bridge has to be less than a beta. We just analyzed so well the mandama that it could even be a beta. And now what about the opinion that it said that, that, that it can't be a beta? My love of we must be there arguing about this point. Yes, Rebbe Lesbos holds a shini doesn't make a shini could make a shlishi bachulin. So if the bridge would be the size of a beta, it will contaminate the challah, the, 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 the potential challah, even before, even before it was called challah. So that's why that's why the Rev first Rebbe Lezbo was saying that it has to be careful it's less than a beta. And the Chachamim say, let's stay away from all this, even using less than a beta, because we're going to scare you can use a beta and mess up the whole thing. So that's what the issue boils down to. Says the Gemara, no, Amar Marbid, Rev Kahanu, Kuliyama, you should know such a It could be if you're dealing with Chun, everybody agrees there's no such thing as Shlishi. Arguing about that point that we were assuming before to be otherwise. The issue is, what if it's Chulin, which is Tevel, it has the potential for it to become Chal. So we know chulin can only become sheni. Let's say that's true. But truma and chala could become shlishi. What about chulin? That's tevel to chala and truma. The potential for it to become chala and truma is in it. Ma'ar savik chala dama the chacham holds as the treated in Allah like chala in regard to tuma that the susceptibility to tuma therefore is raised to shlishi because the potential to become chala and truma is in it. Ma'ar savik as Rebbe Lazar had since it's only the tevel for the chala or the truma at this stage it's only like the chulin so it's not susceptible to the shlishi. Says the Gemara, if you buy the same, another approach, everybody agrees Chulin, which is obligated to become Chala, but it's not yet at the point that it is Chala, it's not treated like Chala. So it's not going to become a Shlishi. The ancient Shlishi Bakhulin, Shlishi doesn't become a Shlishi Bakhulin. They're arguing about a different issue. They're not, we don't care about the, the, the tar dough which can become challah. That tar dough would not become tame because at most it can only become a Shlishi, there's no issue. The issue is, are you allowed to make the bridge tame? Now you would say, why not? I'm not going to use it for challah. That's just regular random dough. They're arguing about a new issue. Is there any issue with making tumah, spreading tumah unnecessarily? It's an interesting question. When you live in Eretz Yisrael and you're always around, you know, all these things, is there an issue? It's not Kodesh. It's not Kodesh. Is there any for, anything forbidden about making chulin tameh? Which is precisely what you're going to do. If you put the bridge 
you have the Tamei Kalap, which is a reach. And if you put the bridge to connect it to the Tardo, so the bridge is going to become a Shani, that's for sure. Is that an issue? Is there an issue that you just made something Tamei? That's what they're arguing about. Says, there's no issue. It's not, it doesn't have any holiness to it, so who cares? Maybe you shouldn't eat tummy food, maybe that's true, but there's no issue in and of itself of making, of spreading tummah. The Rabbanon will know, and when you're at Yisrael, where there are a lot of holy things around that could be impacted by your actions, you don't spread tummah. That's the one rule, don't spread tummah. So therefore, they don't, we're not concerned for the dough that's going to become chala, becoming a shlishi, because that... It won't happen. It, right now it's in a state of Hulin and, and, and Hulin can become a Shlishi. What we're concerned about is the bridge. The bridge itself is going to become a Shani. The bridge become a Shani, that is an issue. All right, so that concludes the difficult, long sugya that we've been learning about the different levels. But I think the main takeaways are that there's a machlokas tanoim where the end of the line of Tumah is for Hulin. Is it Shani? A lot of tanoim hold that way, the tanoim that we explored today, versus Rabbi Akiva and the Mishnah who held that it is Shlishi. It's machlokas tanoim. All right. Remember, we were dealing with the boundaries of Lovium. He said, one Pasuk says you measure out 1,000 Amma. One Pasuk says you measure out 2,000 Amma. So what must be, he said, the 2,000 Amma is for the Trum, for the Trum of Shabbos. He said, all the other Tanoam said, no, really, there's just, what's going on is that 1,000 is meant to be left open for the beautification of the city, and the other 1,000 is left to be cultivated for vineyards and planting and stuff like that. So Michael, what's, what is the, the practical dispute? The laws of Tchum are Daraisa, meaning the halach, you can't go more than 2,000 amos have a biblical origin. That's what's going on. He's learning up from the Madozim here, from the measurements from the city of the Levim, that the, you're not allowed to do this on a din Daraisa, Daraisa level to walk outside the Tchum is forbidden. That the Pasuk was just talking about how much you leave for the city for the beautification versus planting, they say the whole concept of going outside 2,000 amos is only to Rabbanon. There's no source for the Pasuk. All right, then we get to the next thing, the Rekiva Darshan. So there was a big question about the way that Bnei Yisrael said Shira. How did they sing Ozi Asher? So Tanar Rabbanu, Bavim Darshan, Rekiva, Bashashal, Abanayam, at the time the Jews came out, they said, Nasu Mashira. They set their eyes, literally, they, they had an idea to sing. Ketzer HaMashira, how'd they do it? The Magma Makar is a halal. The way an adult who leads halal does it. So we don't do it this way because in halal today in Shul, we say everybody says it. Why does everybody say it? Why not just have the reader say it and everybody else listen and respond? First parts because people don't listen that well. So even though there's a principle of Shomei Ka'ona, we don't rely on that anymore. There's a lot of things like that in halacha today. One of them is like zima and like benching, but that's another one. Like halal used to be that there was one reader and everybody else was engaged passively and then they would answer certain, certain lines. So the, 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 the way that Klai Yisrael said Shira of Ozzy Asher was the way he used to be in Shul, the adult would lead the halal. They would just answer with the headings of the chapter. That's the way it used to work. One person would read the halal, the other members would just answer the Rashi Prakam. Like they would say, Haluka. Like they would hear the, a line say, Haluka. And then they hear another line and they would say, Haluka. That was the custom of the way of doing that. It would make it, you know, like a whole intense intense sense of joy in the room when one person is saying it and they're answering the Rashi Prakam. So that's the way it would work here by Ozzy Asher also. And now the Gemara speaks that out. Moshe Omar Shira Lashem. Moshe would say, I sing to Hashem. And they would say, Ashira Lashem. Moshe Omar Kigoga. Moshe then individually continued with the song Kigoga. But they did it. What was the response to Kigoga? Ashira Lashem. They know Ashira Lashem. So Kalah Yisrael, the words that came out of the mouth was only Ashira Lashem. They were silently listening to Moshe keep on saying more and more words of Ozzy Asher. But they kept on responding by saying back Ashira Lashem. That's the first year. No, it's like the, the scenario in Shul where it's a cotton who's leading. If a cotton is leaning, then you can't rely on Shemek Ona. You can't be Yodzi with what a cotton's saying because a cotton's not obligated. But a cotton could lead as long as you respond, as long as you say every word after him. 
So that's what the way it worked by us. They have repeated everything Moshe said. So they repeated line by line everything that Moshe said. It was like the Chazan leading the brachos of Kriyishma and Shul. He would begin and they would respond after him. So meaning everyone says it in unison. Everyone says it in unison. It's not like Baruch Hashem Shmat Sam saying the Yotzei Shmei But the way it used to work is that he would like lead the congregation, and that everyone would like he would almost like start it, and everyone would, would answer in. But they're all saying all the words. Everybody's saying all the words together in unison. In the whole and it's only to start the people off. So now three different ways of understanding how it's actually was. What's the root of the dispute? The whole thing here was that they said to Kali Yisrael, right, sing the song Lamar. Right, So what is that? So Rabbi Kiva is saying that the Lemur is going back on the first phrase of saying Ashir al-Hashem. So meaning when it says Vayomru Lemar, it means that Moshe spoke the whole song, which made Kali Yisrael say Ashir al-Hashem. So all Kali Yisrael said is that they kept on repeating Ashir al-Hashem. Lemar means on every phrase that Moshe would say, Kali Yisrael would repeat after him. Means that they all spoke together, meaning that they all had the Ruach HaKodesh to say the song of Yaz Yashir. Lamar the Pasuk Moshe Bereshia. Lamar is just saying that Moshe started them off. So very different views on the way Yaz Yashir went down. There are three different ideas. Either Moshe sang the song and they just said Ashir al Hashem after each phrase. Either Moshe said a phrase and then they repeated what Moshe said. Or Moshe started them off, but they all in unison sang the whole song of Yaz Yashir. Lam is Bonain. The biggest conceptual difference is whether or not they needed Moshe to know the words. Meaning the last view was saying that the Ruach HaKodesh entered into everybody. And they all knew exactly what was saying the same way Moshe knew what was saying. The Jews came out from the sea. They said, they're sites and saying song. How did they do it? Not meaning who sang. Even an infant sitting on his child at his mother's knees. Or a baby that was nursing from his mother. They saw the infant picks up his neck. And the little baby removed the breast from this mouth, farmers that kill Ivan where do we see this? It says in the possible It says out of the mouths of infants and those who suck, you have established Yisada Taoz, you have established might. From where do we know that even the fetuses in their mother's wombs, and they, they said Shira, Mama, she knows inside their mother. Shinemar says in the Pasuk, Top of Lamed Aleph, Bimakilos, when you're in an assembly, Baruch Lokim, Mimakar yourself in the source, Mimakar. So Mimakar is also a way of saying the womb, right? The womb is the source where the baby comes from. So even when they were, when they were assembled at Klai, so the, 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 the Barucha came even from those who were in the womb, even from those who were in the Makar. So Akdamar, basic question. How did they sing? Well, they didn't see. It says those who saw the Shekinah says Zekeli. They didn't see. They're in the womb. It's an unbelievable thing. The Keras, the stomach somehow became like a, 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 like a TV screen, you know, like a, a screen. But it means like a glass, a clear glass. They were able to see right through. And that's how they were able to say Shira inside the Makar.